the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. My next guest on Soup with Coop is a Rutgers alum, a Super Bowl champion, and the only person to have alphabet soup on our show, my good friend, Sean O'Hara. Welcome to Soup with Coop, my friend. Coop, thanks for having me, man. Uh, my man, I, I had to raid the kids' soup uh, collection, and you know, I thought I could spell your name in the alphabets, but I'm just having a hard time finding the O's. Do you have any O's in yours? I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I've got nothing but O's. I would. Oh, I, I have a spot in New Orleans when I go. I go work out in the morning, and then I go by this little little small grocery store called Zara's, and I've been. 15 times and I've never bought anything but soup. And so this morning I go, do you have any alphabet soup? And this lady thinks I'm insane. I don't know what she thinks. I'm like, got people in the garage, in a, you know, in a holding cell, feeding them nothing but soup. But uh, she goes, I've got O's. I go, oh, that'll do fine. All I need one out of 26 letters is plenty for me. Perfect. Yeah. There, there's two O's in coop, right? Yes, there are. And there are, uh, there are no O's in Sean, but there's a big A-U, which I like. Sean, Sean. There's, that's a, big, there's a big O in O'Hara. A very big one. Speaking of that, aren't you're like in the Irish Hall of Fame, aren't you? I should be. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it depends on, on who you speak with because the true Irish people and, and from back in the day, they think I should spell my name S-E-A-N. So there is always some conversation about the way that I spell it. My parents obviously wanted to, to make life difficult for me. Um, but I will say this. People don't understand the gift and the curse of, of being Irish and having an apostrophe in your name. There are many times where it's great and it's awesome and it kind of distinguishes you am amongst your peers. Um, it also enables you to, to, to participate in libations without any judgment whatsoever. But the apostrophe coop, let me tell you. Hotel reservations, flight reservations, anything to do with a computer, the, the apostrophe is like a virus that just can disrupt and any kind of hard drive and it can just throw everything into total berserko mode. Yeah, you don't want to be, you're probably not Y2K compliant with it with an apostrophe. <laughs> what about like applying for a passport? Do you have to, is it a is it a separate spot to put the apostrophe? It all depends on who is entering it into the computer because it, it can be a complete space. So then they think I'm Sean Hera. They think O is my middle initial, which almost ruined a trip to Disney because they canceled my reservation at the hotel because I didn't call them back or something. And they had it as Sean Hera. And I was showing up as O'Hara. And they said, well, you know, we don't have any, we don't have a room for you. And uh, the wife was giving me straight daggers at that moment. What is your middle name? Do you have a good middle name? We, uh, we, we solved that. Um, my middle name is Frederick. So yes, that that name should get me into the Irish Hall of Fame. There's a whole different. I mean, being a center from New Jersey who played at Rutgers, who's kind of a you know captaining the Giants' offensive line to Frederick O'Hara is a totally different human being. That guy is reading poetry on the weekends and just absolutely sipping on a scotch just just from time to time. Yeah, Frederick is drinking and eating loudmouth soup with brown spectacles. Do you have any of those? 
Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. This is, this is what Frederick would wear. Oh. Hello, Frederick O'Hara here. Hello. <laughs> He's from New Jersey, over here, I think. How do you like my new map? I, I, I've always been infatuated with maps, and I, you know, I just thought you might learn something other than what's coming out of my mouth. So I, I, I love the map. You, yeah. you know what I love? I love the old, um, can you name all of the capitals of every state? And, you know, geographically, it's funny how some people have zero idea, like, where Idaho is or, like, oh, where is South Dakota uh, on the map? Like, they just, right they don't, there, they right? don't understand at all. Right behind you. Yeah, there. Um, how does a guy wind up at, uh, at Rutgers? I mean, no, people from the South, I don't think, recognize that Rutgers is the University of New Jersey, New Jersey State, like, if you will. Why is it called Rutgers? And then tell me about Rutgers. Because I all I ever talk about, when Peyton, they say, Eli, where's he all live? I say, he lives in New Jersey. And I said, all three of his girls are going to go to Rutgers. And people look at me like, <laughs> it makes no sense to him. So tell me about Rutgers. Because I think I'm a little, I'm a little in the, you know, a little naive. Yeah, I, I think Rutgers would be a great choice for, for Eli's kids. You know, he, he yeah, it'll be a lot cheaper than sending to Princeton. And I think, you know, that way it doesn't cut into Eli's golf memberships. Um, I'd hate for him to have to give one of them up to, pay, to put his kids through college. Um, I, I think Rutgers, it, it definitely, I think people have all kinds of different preconceived notions about Rutgers. Yes, the State University of New Jersey, nobody wanted to go to that school. Like, so that's why we had to come up with a great name. It had to be, it had to be something different than the State University of New Jersey um, or New, Jer New Jersey, you New know, Jersey. depending on where you're at in, uh -huh. in the state. But Rutgers, from, from what I know, is was started by Henry Rutgers, who I think uh, donated a bunch of money to the university, and that's it was named after him. Um, as you know, it's the birthplace of college football. So quite the roots in college football. Um, you know, I, I've heard every joke in the book, Coop, on this one. They were the birthplace of college football, and, and, then, um, and then they got kicked out of the house. Uh, for for a long time and then now they're allowed back in the house you know like they, there was some misbehavior and you know they were staying out too late breaking curfew so you know we, we weren't considered a part of college football for a while and, and now we're back we're back in the big 10 but um, I grew up uh, all over the world I was born in Chicago lived in Kentucky Texas Ohio then I moved to Jersey in high school my most influential years were high school and Rutgers and college and they were both in New Jersey so um, my original dream, you mentioned me being an Irish guy. I was going to go to Notre Dame. I was going to play for the Chicago bears. Um, so that was kind of my thing. I was born in Chicago. My dad was a legend in, in, in Chicago, uh, in the suburbs. And that was kind of my dream. So I just kind of went the alternate route. I became the Rudy of Rutgers <laughs> and walked on there and kind of created my own name, but it was 25 minutes from my parents' house. I didn't give any division one scholarship offers. I got a couple of one double a uh, offers uh, from Hofstra and um, you know, Lehigh and Bucknell and, and, and some other schools and Rutgers invited me to walk on and um, try to make the team. And I thought, you know what, that sounds like a better option. And being 25 minutes away, I could still come home on Sundays and get, get my mom's home cooked pasta and get some clean laundry. You know, it's amazing to me how many people I talk to who in your case, you know, play for win Super Bowls or now on the NFL network talking about what's going on in, in football. And then, and I, you know, I'm, in, I'm inundated with all this recruiting stuff. 
they they are so they got to be so wrong on so many kids. I mean, you weren't even you in the world of rivals and two four seven. You wouldn't have even been in the hard to find Sean O'Hara yet. Rutgers finds you, rolls a dice on you, and then probably you probably weren't. What did you weigh coming out of high school? Yeah, I was I was two thirty five my first yeah. day at Rutgers. I walked on as a defensive end. The only reason Rutgers even knew I existed was because my quarterback Eric Jones was a stud, and everybody was coming to our high school. They were flocking like the sound of Capistrano to recruit Eric Jones. My high school coach Rick Mance was like, "Hey, take a look at this kid." And the kicker for me was I played basketball, Coop. So by the end of the basketball season, I was 215 pounds. And college coaches are coming and looking at me, and they're like, he's not 235. He's 215. So they just never thought I was going to be big enough. Um, but the recruiting aspect of it, yeah, yeah, no, you're 100% correct. Like, think about how hard we are on NFL teams when a draft pick doesn't work out. Right. College coaches they recruit kids and it's like you never hear from them they were a four or five star kid and then two years later you know they're standing on a bus stop somewhere um just one quick little story on that when i came to rutgers there was 28 freshmen and we had three non-scholarship guys but 25 on scholarship guys you know how many guys graduated with in, in the same class by the time we all got to seniors there were seven of us left so really? in that amount of time, there, were, there was basically, you know, 20, two guys were JUCO guys, so they graduated, but there were about 20 kids that just disappeared within four years, whether it was, you know, failed academically, a transfer, didn't pan out, quit. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it really, the recruiting, it, kids develop and change so much from 17, 18, and 19. I know you're about to go through all that, and I don't have to tell you about recruiting right now. I'm sure you're right in the middle of it. Well, that, you know, I think that's, and we're probably, those numbers are probably not going to be too different going forward now with all the transport portal and everybody moving around, but that's, that's kind of, a, um, and, and at the same time, Sean, I think I admire, I like these stories because then, you know, you pay your dues and put on weight, become a lineman, change positions. And I, I've played golf with you and seen you're an athletic guy. You're an athlete and just, you know, you you've morphed your body. I mean, you're a good athlete. You look at yourself. It doesn't transition to the golf course. Well, that doesn't mean you, you can just, you know, you can see a guy walking to lunch and say, guy's an athlete. And I, then I need your touch hundred yards in is what I, I need to spend more time with you. hundred yards in you are, you're, 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 you're a knockdown. Sadly, it takes me a long time to get to that hundred yards is the problem. Oh, let, let me just give everybody a perspective and oh, sure. playing golf a coup. He, he, he hit, he's a hundred yards. And what do you say? 95 yards. 95 yards? Okay. Okay. How, how do you hit this shot? You just got to pick it clean, right? Before every shot, how do you hit this shot is what he says. And then he sticks it like six inches from the hole. And he's like, how was that? He's in the bunker. How do you hit a sand shot? I don't know. He's 85 yards out. Boom, out of the sand, six inches from the pin. 100 yards in and all day long, I'll put money on you. The people who played golf with me the last month need to hear this because they, they saw a different story. But I do appreciate the shout out. My ego is is waffling right now so it needed a little boost but then you go but then you know the same way you're fighting uphill you play and then you go did you even go to the combine because you didn't get drafted and i think that's that's what i'm getting to is the the, the battle never stopped for you it was just an uphill climb to kind of validate yourself yeah I, I still feel like i'm climbing that hill um Coop, it, it, it was definitely the road less traveled. Uh, you know, I walked on at college and then I essentially walked on in the NFL, like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I, I did not get invited to the combine. I remember my biggest, my, my crowning college achievement was I got a letter from the hula bowl 
that was the only bowl game I ever played in in college. And it was the all-star <laughs> game down in Hawaii that nobody cares to play in. Everybody just wants to go there and hang out. So that was kind of like my, wow, I, I, I have a shot at the next level. Um, because that's, you know, one of the toughest things at college to do is to, to really, you know, wrap your head around, am I good enough? Am I big enough? Am I strong enough to play at the next level? So not getting invited to the combine was a blow. Um, I didn't get drafted. So I sat there, you know, you remember back when the draft was three days long, it started on a, on a Friday and went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, I watched the first round knowing that was never going to happen, but just as I'm a fan of football, so watch it. But by, by Sunday, I was like, Hey, there's a chance, you know, and I got a couple calls and, you know, it didn't work out. I ended up signing with the Browns as a free agent. Uh, but I like sharing the story with a lot of guys, college kids, uh, high school kids, because, you know, not everybody can be a first round pick, but you can still go on and, and have a long career. Um, even if you don't get invited to some of these things, uh, my, my claim to fame is my first invitation to the combine coop came from the NFL network. <laughs> Yeah. Were you as excited about that as you would have been as a 22 year old? I, I, I was more excited because I didn't have to run a 40. <laughs> I just had to talk about it. Were you, was it, was it daunting going into first time going as a, as a free agent going into NFL camp with the Browns? So you look around going, are you still kind of like, am I, should I be invited to this party? No doubt. I, you know, we didn't have cell phone cameras back then, but um, if I had had one, I would have immediately taken a picture of my name uh, on the top of my locker. Because the first time I walked into the locker room and I, you're looking around, I see my number. My name is on the back of a jersey. I've got a name plate up top. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, I th took a mental snapshot because, you know, you as a free agent, you don't know. You could last a week, you know, and it's it's uh, it, things happen quickly. But I remember my first training camp and I remember just feeling like, man, these are grown, grown ass men. Like I'm a kid. I'm coming out like I mean I'm baby faced. Like I, you know, I don't. I'm I'm playing against 30 year olds that they're dads. I mean they, they've got kids over here on the sideline. So it's just a totally different world coming out of college and everybody's in the same kind of age group. And I'll never forget Darius Holland, whose head was about as big as a Volkswagen, with his helmet on. My very first one on one pass rush in in training camp, full pads. I get up and I'm going up against a rookie and Darius Holland who practiced the entire day with a full dip in his mouth and just would let it just drip down his chin and into his shirt. By the end of practice, his whole shirt was brown. He tells the rookie, get out of the way. This is my rep. So I'm like, here we go. I'm playing center. I play left tackle in college. So it was a new position for me anyways. And he proceeds to give me this Deacon Jones head slap. And I mean, just like knocks me in the next week. I'm looking out of my ear hole. It's my first one-on-one -on -one passer in the NFL. And I'm like, wow, this is going to be a long camp. He was just kind of, you know, showing me who's boss and show me what's up. And at 335 pounds, that was the biggest, strongest dude I'd ever gone against. So it definitely takes you a little while physically to get adjusted. But I'll say this, um, you know, when you get in the NFL, you realize that, man, even though these guys are 30 years old and 32 years old, like they're still, they still act like kids. And, and to me, the, the locker room was, it, it was my favorite place. It's the place I miss the most. And a guy that you, you I'm sure have met and know through, through your time uh, around the NFL and around guys, Ty Detmer was our backup quarterback. Tim right. Couch was our starting quarterback. Ty Detmer, one of my all time favorite teammates, um, I learned a lot from him and a lot of it was because he was pulling pranks on me, which I then in turn turned around and pulled pranks on Eli. 
and then Eli continued the tradition. So th there are things that, that happen at Giants training camp now that can all circle back to Ty Detmer and the things that he did to me when I was a rookie. And then you, you, get, you go over to the Giants. What was the difference in that culture versus uh, the Browns? Yeah, a, a complete shift. You know, I think for Cleveland, you know, in my time there, we were still just, you know, it was almost like we were, we didn't even know what it was like to be a good team. We didn't even know what it took. You go through practice and you think, all right, hey, we're pretty good against ourselves. You get on, out on Sundays and it's a totally different ball game. So coming to the Giants, you know, I mean, I walk into the huddle the first day and, you know, right out of the gate, it's Kurt Warner who's our quarterback. Jeremy Shockey is our tight end. I've got Amani Toomer and Tiki Barber. I mean, I'm in a Pro Bowl huddle like right out of the yeah. gate. So, I mean, talent wise, it was just totally different, but um, it also, it just felt like football was, you know, it just kind of felt easy at times. Like guys would make plays. Everything was routine. I felt like in Cleveland, we had to be perfect. I mean, you, you couldn't do, not one guy can make a mistake in order for, for us to win a football game. Um, and, and I just, that, that was a complete difference. I tell you the ownership, Cleveland, Al Lerner, uh, rest his soul, he was a wonderful man. He, he was really hands-on. He was, you know, an ex-Marine, um, used to come down and talk to us all the time. And his son, Randy took over uh, when he passed, uh, but they were still trying to figure things out and, and they were trying to build a great culture, but it was just different coming to the giants, their, their storied franchise and with the mayors and the Tisch family. Um, I, I tell you, they, they really have done a phenomenal job of, you know, really, not just saying it, but doing it that, you know, once a giant, always a giant. And you, you and Eli hook up kind of that year, uh, you know, Kurt is kind of in transition right there, goes on and continues to have a great career. Eli's the fresh face. Talk about a baby faced rookie coming to town. I mean, yeah. I bet he was just kind of, I mean, you know, I remember Eli was a third child. So Peyton and I are two years apart and then Eli was five years younger than Peyton. So, I mean, you know, there were times I think Peyton, Eli wasn't seven or eight years old to realize there were stars at night. I mean, I think that, you know, he had a babysitter a lot. He was just kind of oh, wild yeah. eyed. So I imagine the big city lights kind of fun to watch him adjust to that. Yeah. I remember when he came in, you know, I mean, he certainly, he, he definitely looked young. He looked you know, like he still hadn't shaved, hadn't shaven yet. Like he, it was like, this is a razor. Oh, what do I do with this? I don't need that. Um, so that was interesting, but you know, then like, you know, then he, he, he decides to live in Hoboken, which I think was a great move, you know, for him and just kind of just kind of absorbing the fabric of, of the environment and the city and, you know, not being in New York City, but like being close enough to where you get there. I thought that was a really smart move for him. And, and I think that paid off for him. But you know, I, I always thought he handled the position of quarterback. You know, it's different than any other position with what you have to handle on the field and off the field. And I think, you know, as much as, you know, he, he looked like a deer in headlights, you know, when he first came in, I, I think there's stories about his first mini camp, you know, like he hit a trash can, I think on the sideline with his first throw. And I think it like skipped before it got there. So, I mean, look, he, he was definitely, he's human, you know, like I, I know everybody has these grand, you know, thoughts about how he's not, but yeah, he is. And, and I thought that that, Eli was never scared to show people his human side and Hey, you know what? Like, look, I have boogers just like everybody else, you know, and he's not scared to flick them on you either. I know you know about that. Um, but you know, for him to come in, I, I think that he, he always knew how important the locker room was to be one of the guys and, and this as well as in the huddle. 
Um, but I thought he handled the whole Kurt Warner thing too, really well too, because Kurt started and Eli was okay with that, you know, and I, and I think um, they, they got along pretty well. And I, and I think that that actually served Eli well, not having to be, have that pressure on him, you know, right away. It kind of let him just kind of grow a little bit, get comfortable um, and make sure that he could find his way to the facility, because as you know, he's not great with direction. So the Hoboken to work drive, that took him a little while. We we all inherited my dad's lack of. That's why I have a map because otherwise I don't even know where the hell I am. I mean, Rand McNally did not stop over to the Manning House and give us any lessons. We can't. I I still. My dad will call. I mean, he's lived in New Orleans for you know forty something years, fifty years, and still is like, "Cup, I'm around the corner, but I still can't find your house." I'm like, Dad, dear goodness. I mean, it's it's remarkable. One of the things I always love about betting on football, I'm always finding new players or game props that I like. If you love the game, it's easy. And that's what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook. You can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. The same game parlay. You can place future bets on an upcoming college football and an NFL season. You can combine traditional bets with different props. There are future bets out there. Like I I like taking the over on the Browns and Chargers win totals. Same game parlay is just one of the reasons I signed a deal with FanDuel. It's easy to use. You got live betting. Friends can use it. My friends love betting on FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook. You get fast withdrawals when you win. FanDuel pays your winnings in as little as 24 hours. You get odds boosts and specials. Every day there's some big super boost each weekend around the biggest local or national matchups. Just no feeling like nailing a big same-game parlay bet. Same-game parlay is their best thing. So lock it in on FanDuel Sportsbook. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Create a same-game parlay and use Colin. That's the key. Use Colin to sign up. New users, first bet, risk-free, up to 1000 bucks. FanDuel, refund you, up to 1000 bucks Back in site credit if you don't win. If you don't win. So that's Colin, C-O-L-I-N, to let them know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, or New Jersey. Must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required, 150 max bonus. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, and 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey. What about his hands? I mean, he's, his hands spent a lot of time in your in your uh, derriere, around your butt cheeks. If soft hands? Is it kind of rough? Was he gentle? Was he kind? Was he rough? Talk to me. Yeah, somehow the, the quarterback center conversation always ends up in this place, you yeah. know, and I think for a lot of people, it's a weird place. But it's funny, as a center, you, you really don't really think about it. As a quarterback, I know that they can't think about it because otherwise they'll be in shotgun all day long. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, whenever people ask me about what's the guy like, I said, hey, great guy, soft hands, big knuckles. And, you know, not everybody gets that. But, you know, that's kind of like, you know, if I if I could have like a, a, a saying on his tombstone or, you know, in, in his Hall of Fame speech, whatever, that would be my my saying. But, um, you know, Eli and I, I thought we hit we hit it off uh, right out of the gates. And, you know, I, it's funny because I remember him when he came in. I'm like, all right, here's this young buck. And you know, I was with young Tim Couch up at Cleveland. Like, am I going to have to hold his hand, babysit him? We have to teach him everything. And it's funny, you know, he came in as a rookie and he, he knew way more football that, than I've seen some second and third year quarterbacks know. So I actually learned a lot from him, you know, coverages and just kind of reading defenses and blitzes and seeing things. So um, the mental side of it was always fun. But the physical side, you know, I think the one thing that um, Eli always appreciated was throwing a dry ball. 
And that's not easy when you have a 300 pound center that gets swamp ass and is a huge sweater. So I'm craving soup right now. Hang on. Swamp ass. Yeah. I'm just ready for yeah a that, that, that soup right there is, uh, is pretty much, you know, what, what would ruin a three-step drop for Eli on a, on a hot <laughs> summer day. Uh, the worst part was like in practice when we wear mesh shorts, the sweat would just drip off the shorts like the pants are different because like it kind of harnesses everything, but the shorts, there's no absorption whatsoever. So Eli used to make me change my pants at halftime on hot, hot games. Really? He didn't like his hands getting all wet and sweaty. And, um, you know, I, the things you do for your quarterback, um, that, that I felt, I still to this day feel bad for the equipment guys. Little Ed Skiba had to help me get my sweaty pants off and on. And, you know, I'm standing there in a jock strap and he's putting my thigh pads in the new dry pants. And we're doing this also, Eli doesn't have to throw a wet ball. You must sweat a lot because at some point in your career, early on, you had athlete's foot, a, a, a bad, a bad episode of that. It almost wiped out the whole locker room. What I mean, what's going on, Sean? Dear goodness. So we, we gotta clear, we gotta clarify this. <laughs> Look, if you play football and you're in the locker room and you shower with 55 other guys. Everybody has athlete's foot. So you get it at some point in time. That, that's not what sent me to the hospital. I know Eli has told you that, and I, he loves telling that story. Um, you know, and I just tell him, hey, look, I, I, I've always been a fun guy. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think that the truth is I developed an infection. Now, they don't know. They, Eli claims it was from the athlete's foot, but it was cellulitis in my leg. It turned into staph. Yes. And, as you know, the staph infection kind of became – a very big topic, especially, you know, in the warmer climates, it can spread really fast. So, um, yeah, so they, uh, you know, I had this, like this swelling down my leg and I told the trainers about it. They made me go out and practice that day. They drew, they took a Sharpie group and they drew a circle around it and they were like, all right, keep your eye on this. If this circle gets any bigger than the Sharpie, then you need to come show us. So I'm like, really, that's our medical expertise right now. We've got a freaking Sharpie. It's like, if you like, if you drew a map right now around Nevada, and you were like, hey, if it gets any bigger, come tell There's us. Okay. Right here. Yeah. So, so, so the next day I come in and it's like the size of the entire country behind me. So, I mean, it, I'm like, yeah, this is bad. We're outside the circle. So I, I immediately go in and show them. They're like, you need to go to the hospital right now. This is spreading and we can't let it get to your bloodstream. So, uh, yeah, they sent me into HSS, the hospital for special surgery. Um, I saw the infectious disease doctor and he said, look, we're, we're gonna, we need to get you on IV antibiotics right now. Vancomycin, which is like the strongest thing you can get. He said, we don't know. We don't we want to make sure this isn't MRSA. MRSA is, you know, th that can be life and death. So uh, luckily it wasn't, but they got me on IV antibiotics to try to hit it right away. And um, unfortunately, I missed that game and the next game. And, and uh, Eli and the boys never let me live it down. Speaking of hospital. Sean, who would you play against in your career the next morning? You're like, just, just get me to the hospital. I mean, this guy just beats me up. Just, you know, just a. Ooh. Yeah. I, so John Randall was the toughest guy that I ever played against one-on-one, -on -one, but I'll tell you one of the hardest hitters ever was Jeremiah Trotter, the middle linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and like his celebratory, you know, move anytime he made a big play was this big ax smash and, like the guy just, I mean, he had a, his head and his neck. It was like a cinder block. Like every time you wanted to hit it, there was no give, there was no move. And, and like, he didn't even care to make the tackle. Coop. Like if he saw you were coming to block him, he just wanted to blow you up and he'll let somebody else make the tackle. But he was, you know, I can't tell you how many times playing against him and the Eagles that 
I'd have a hit with him and I'd think, oh my God, did I just swallow a mouthpiece? Like the hit was like, it was that much of a collision. And you're like, something just went down my throat. I hope it wasn't my mouthpiece. I don't know what that was, but like, it makes you, it makes you like gulp. Have you played before also and been in awe of someone? Like you're on the sideline going, there's a, you know, like kind of a turn into a, you know, even when you're 30, do you revert back to being a kid sometimes just on the other side of the, seeing, seeing a player? I, when I when I came to Cleveland, um, our number one overall pick that year was Courtney Brown out of Penn State. I don't think I've ever seen somebody that physically chiseled. I mean, he was 6'6", 290 pounds. I mean, 3% body fat. And like, like when he turned sideways, like in the shower, like you couldn't see the other guy on the other side. He was that wide. Like just, you know, when he benched, when it was in the weight room with the bench press, his arms were outside of the rack you put the the bar on like that's how long his arms were so i mean when i saw him i'm like man I, i'm so glad he's on my team and i don't have to try to block him but in practice i mean he was a total nightmare so yeah those guys guys like that you just i mean you never forget seeing a guy as physically gifted as that um i, I didn't play with him but um odell beckham watching him in practice and seeing some of the things that he does with the football and with his, his jump leap ability, the, the, the jumps, the catches, I mean, some of that is just unbelievable. And, and even when you think you've seen something remarkable, he goes out on a, on a routine practice catch and just, you know, he's got this wow factor to him. This is an interesting transition because you mentioned showering twice and we're talking about um, does, in the NFL right now, is it, I mean, you know, I always, when we were growing up, high school, college, whatever. It's just a big room with a bunch of shower heads. You go in there, take a shower and get out of there. Is it still that way in the NFL or do they have individual stalls now? Do you know? Oh, no, it's still prison showers. Okay. It yeah, you're, you're, you're into the wide open, no doubt. You know, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the, probably the, the best way to maximize space. I don't know. I'll say this now with COVID, who knows? There, there may be plexiglass in between right. the shower which would make things even weirder. And now guys are going to run into stuff. You know, I, I, I don't know. You hit your head if you drop something, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah, the, uh, yeah, the shower scene is, I'm sure, you know, maybe they have to do in shifts. I don't know. Maybe it is more prison-like in that you had to go by position group or whatever. But um, I think especially now with everybody being vaccinated, they don't have to wear a mask the entire time. Um, I couldn't imagine wearing a mask in the shower, but <laughs> if I was going to wear a mask in the shower, it was going to be around my waist. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would probably. Yeah, would you be one of those guys that wore boxers in the shower? There's always like one guy. If I'm showered next to Courtney Brown, you might. I might consider it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it's funny, you know these. Because the high school, like I was talking to the high school kids, we used to have a shower. Coach made a shower. You had to shower before you went home, shower after basketball practice. And now people leave the locker room and they smell. I mean, you've been, you know, been sweating for four hours. You smell like, hey, I want to come over and, you know, I'm going to get out of my house, jump in the pool or something, just a D. It's the most disgusting thing, but no one showers. I think they have to have their own little deal. It's not like the old days. You just, you know, man up. It's weird. Yeah, I think things have definitely changed. I mean, I, I we had showers in high school, you know, and some guys would shower after gym class, you know. Yeah. So it, it just used to be like, hey, that's what you do. Um, I remember, yeah, playing a basketball high school basketball game, and you get done with it, and I would always shower, and and all the other guys wouldn't, and then they would 
some of them would just hang up their jersey in the locker and not even wash the jersey. Like you come in the next day and the thing is like standing stiff on its own in the locker. And yeah, I mean, when you're in high school, I, yeah, hygiene just kind of goes out the door. That's the best way to get MRSA, I think. <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, you don't want to get MRSA. But the one part I left out about that trip was I met my wife in the hospital. She was my nurse on that exact weekend. So is that uh, right? I, I, yeah. So, so you know, for me, I don't, I don't want anybody to get MRSA or get staff. But if you happen to get it, you might as well get a wife out of it like I did. Hey, man, that's how's how's your your game is pretty good when you're just lying in bed, just talking. I mean, you got people coming and tending to you and treating you. Might as well check out some of your best New Jersey lines and see if they stay. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, like nobody's really actually put that connection together. But I mean, if you can score in the hospital and you haven't shaved in three days, you haven't, you haven't showered in three days, you've got athlete's foot, you know, and you've got, you've got, you've got an IV, like you look like crap, but you could still get a girl's number at that point in time in your life, then yeah, I mean, you must have some sort of G in you. You got it. Um, because it, not everybody can pull that off. And, you know, I always kind of felt like, hey, if I can get her number, wait till she sees me when I'm cleaned up, you know, <laughs> wait till she sees me with some cologne on. God. A good smelling New Jersey guy. Unbelievable. Sean, you love, are you, are you, a, have you gotten into Twitter? Are you a Twitter guy now? Tell me about it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I feel like, if I go on it, like it's like playing video games, like you just lose track of time. So it's like I always try to be very selective when I go on it because, you know, you start reading stuff and it's like there's like 20 things you want to read and you can never get to them because your timeline's always refreshing. So, you know, I'm still I'm still learning uh, about Twitter, but I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, and I, my, my humor, I don't know if people always get it. So I'm always worried that I might throw something out there and then people are going to be uh, now everybody wants to answer <laughs> It's like, come on, can we take a joke? Like, come on, it's social media. Yeah, everybody, everybody's very sensitive these days. You gotta be super careful. Yeah, and plus, yeah, text and words can be confusing on how you say things. I, I'm glad. I think I don't trust my judgment to be on Twitter quite yet. So, um, uh, you can't. You know, there's no setting for for the tone in a right. text. You know, like you could talk to someone and you can give them a sarcastic tone. You can kind of do it in a playful way with your tone. There is no tone in text. Like, you know, you, you could text somebody, nice shirt. Like, oh, nice shirt. And they read it as nice shirt. Oh. You know, like, well, well, you don't like my shirt? No, I was actually telling you I liked your shirt. But good point. Very good point. I'm glad. I hope people don't just read a transcript of this because they'll never watch the show. But see what happened on this version of Super Coop. I'd be remiss without talking about, you know, people in camp. Uh, I mean, players are in camp, season coming up. Um, any thoughts on the, on the uh, people will probably want to hear what you have to say about the giants and then any, any sleepers. Yeah. You know, listen, I, I call it summer camp coop because we can't call it training camp. I mean, I think you guys had more practices in the Manning passing Academy in three <laughs> days than most teams do in a week. Um, you know, time is, has times have definitely changed, you know, and they can't, the Giants were in practice for an entire week before they even put shoulder pads on. So it's, you know, it's this ramping up period, um, you know, and I feel like camp used to be, hey, we have two weeks to just, you know, beat the snot out of each other and get ready for the preseason game so you can make the team. Now it's, you know what, like we just want to get ready for the season to start. And I think it's so hard for the bubble guys, the guys that are trying to make the team, 
you know, you, you just, you're limited on reps. How do you get better? You're trying to prove yourself. And, you know, it's, you just have limited amount of time, snaps, games, um, you know, that, that, that's all tough. So training camp has definitely changed. I think the guys, you know, the, the, I tell you, the, the funny thing is training camp used to be miserable. You know, everybody be sore and tired and hot, except for the quarterbacks and the kickers. They always had tons of energy. Um, but now you look at training camp and everybody's laughing, everybody's smiling, everybody's doing interviews, everybody's posting stuff. And, you know, everybody, they have more energy because they're only practicing one day. So um, that that part of it is definitely different. But um, I think the most important part right now on in every NFL training camp is how do we keep our guys healthy? How do we just get them to week one? And then, you know, try to make sure that we don't lose anybody before the season starts. So that's where everybody's at. I think it's interesting. This um, I always like to watch hard, hard knocks, and I, the, the Cowboys are at it again. How quickly would the meeting have gone when they approached Tom Coughlin about whether shooting hard knocks for his practices? Would it, how do you think that would have gone? Yeah, yeah. no way in hell. <laughs> you want to pull? You want to do what? You want to put cameras in my team meeting room? No, not happening. No, he he would not like that at all. Um, you know, and you know what? To be honest with you, his Saturday night meetings before the game were so damn long, they would never be able to to, to edit it and crop it to get into a, a thirty minute show. I mean, I guess that shows the master marketer of Jerry Jones. He doesn't. He thinks about it the whole different way. I know you know, Bill Polian or any of those guys would never let that happen. So it's total different mindset. Well, yeah, for Jerry, I mean, that's, that's definitely all about the brand. And, and, you know, I think, you know, look, they, they, they have a different kind of fan base too. They're not just, you know, in one location and like by going out to Oxnard, they have, you know, all kinds of different fans, but, you know, as a player, the one thing that hard knocks, you know, that nobody ever talks about or thinks about is if you're on hard knocks, now, like what happens if you're the, the, you know, the second or third offensive lineman or defensive lineman on a team, you're trying to make a name for yourself. Every practice is a game because I'm on hard knocks. Like, like, even if I don't make this team, I want somebody to see me. So it's like, people are going full tilt. You know, I would think you'd have to tell people, Hey, chill out, settle down. Well, not while the cameras are rolling. I, I've got HBO here and everybody watching. I want to make a play. Maybe today's the day. So uh, I'm sure that kind of ratchets things up in practice a little bit. Sean, as always, we like to grade our, our soup. You being the mature human you are, from one to a thousand, how is your alphabet soup? I like it a little cold just to kind of wrap up, make sure. Oh, yeah, it tastes just as good hot as a cold when you're dealing with Mike Campbell's soup. I don't know if you could see this, but I got an A. Uh -huh. I got an A right there. A, I, a for effort. Um, yeah. I think a for, a for effort. <laughs> exactly. A starts with effort right around here. It's that Rutgers Ole Miss combo. No one, we're not exactly curing cancer over here. No, no, but uh, I, I'll say this I really like your bowl. I'm sure yeah. you picked that out. Um, or maybe even, maybe you even made that. I don't know. I know, I know you have an artistic side in you. Um, as I found out when I met Pedro, is it Pedro or Pablo? Who? The, uh, the 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 server at at somebody's wedding down in uh down in Cabo. Oh yeah, Pe Pedro. Yeah, Pedro. Pancho. Uh, I can't remember. Pancho. Uh, hearts. Hearts. I, I stole someone's name tag. <laughs> I'm surprised you remember that. I don't remember much about that night. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was there. 
Well, we'll talk about that next time. Sean, thanks again for uh, joining me. Always great to catch up, and uh, I look forward to seeing you follow. Keep up the good work on the NFL Network, and uh, and uh, best to you and your family. All right, thanks, crew. Appreciate it, man. Next time you're up to Jersey, I'll uh, I'll take you out for some other soup. Amen. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs>